You can only capture that shit once. Welcome to the Movie Ladder Podcast, where we're all about cinematic connections. Each week, we are discussing a movie that connects to the movie from the previous week's podcast. My name is Zach Brooks, and tonight I am reconnecting with my every week podcast partner, Brendan Fitzpatrick. Brendan, hello. Hey, what's up, Zach? You will Hi. always be my maybe let's record tonight. <laughs> yes, uh, that is that is the way to describe this podcast, because we were originally scheduled for Tuesday, then we pushed it to Wednesday, <laughs> then we pushed it back to Tuesday. Um, you could also say this is, uh, you will always be my maybe we'll have a guest for this episode. Yeah. And we do yes. not have a guest for this yeah, episode. You just get Brennan and I. He, back to the uh, back to basics this week. So. Back to basics. For a very back to basics rom-com presented to us by uh, Netflix. Right. So. By Quickster itself, yes. Yeah. So, uh, last week we talked about my best friend's wedding, and this week, due to a uh, reconnecting rom-com, I think that was what we called it, yep. connection, we will be discussing the Netflix rom-com from 2019, Always Be My Maybe. Then at the end of the episode, we'll decide on our next movie based on suggestions sent in from our lovely, talented, great taste, uh, as good as Keanu Reeves. <laughs> uh, Authentic. Yes. Authentic. Yes, making our, our listeners will be making a cameo at the end of this podcast uh, with their suggestions for next week's episode and suggestions sent in from us, your hosts. Yes, uh, we've already done it, but we will continue to spoil Always Be My Maybe. So if you have not watched it, uh, pause this podcast, go check out Netflix. It should pop up for you very quickly. This was a Netflix movie from a couple of years ago. And then come um, also, back and listen. Also, want to uh, mention... Um, there is uh, this movie does star Randall Park, who is a noted uh, figure currently in the MCU, in the Ant Man movies, and in uh, WandaVision. We're gonna do our best not to spoil anything from WandaVision, but if we do talk around how much we love Randall Park, we'll do our best not to give any plot spoilers for the current MCU. I have. I will promise you, I will not give any MCU spoilers. Mostly because we don't know what's going on on WandaVision. What is happening on that show? Yeah, well, even, but like the stuff, yeah, but like WandaVision's great. Everybody should watch it. Um, but if you're just an MCU casual, maybe you might not enjoy it because it's pretty in-depth. And um, I don't know. I mean, Randall Park's on it, but I, mm. I feel like the, the stuff that is spoilerable about WandaVision would not uh, be the stuff with Randall Park. Correct, correct. Yeah, so, uh, but Randall Park is great. Um, he is great. Brennan, will we have any uh, fresh-off-the-boat spoilers on this podcast? I don't believe we will. We didn't get—I've never seen the show. I know that it was very popular when it came out a few years ago, and um, I think at this point it's been canceled on ABC, which is— Oh, really? Oh, that's too bad. Which is unfortunate, or at least they're not currently filming any new episodes, but— it does. I mean, I know that it was highly successful and was one of the few— touted new shows like that was supposed to save sitcoms um along I've with i've only seen a little bit of it and i actually really like fresh off the boat yeah. when i've seen it um 
Fresh Off the Boat is also uh, created by Natasha Khan, who uh, she was the executive producer of Fresh Off the Boat and is the director of Always My Maybe. So oh, should should we connect to Fresh Off the Boat next week? I did and not realize that. Um, do a season I, rewatch. I would, um, if this were the TV ladder podcast, I would certainly want to get into some maybe six sitcoms. Um, we could go with uh, Fresh Off the Boat and then to the Goldbergs, which is another one I love. Well, and I then, feel like uh, if you were going to connect Fresh Off the Boat to anything, I think it's pretty similar to um, to Modern Family. Oh yeah, good point. It is. I, I don't having not seen it. I don't really know if it's formatted in the same way as Modern Family or if it's. Yeah, closer to, that's a good question. I cannot remember yeah. if it's done that way. So, um, yeah, but uh, I didn't even realize that until I pulled up the fresh off the boat. I did not realize that either. But that that makes a lot of sense because I know that um, both uh, Najaka Khan and Randall Park and Ali Wong have been friends for a really really long time. Um, something I have written down for production uh, for for this movie is that Ellie Wong and Randall Park both became acquainted while they were in college together, studying theater and uh, were part of an improv troupe together. And mm. they had this idea for a comedy centered around Korean-American romance and sort of re... Because you don't generally see romantic comedies from the vantage point of people that aren't um, just straight up you know, lower and middle and upper class white people. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to sort of reshape the genre. And they, they had this idea to pen this script like 20 years ago. So this yeah. had been a long in development script by the two of them. So it's nice oh, to see it uh, finally come to pass here. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, we will get into that and everything about Always Be Maybe. Uh, just in a couple minutes, but uh, we have already started spoiling Always Do Maybe, but you can watch it on Netflix if mm-hmm. you are intrigued to go watch it. Uh, it's, a, you know, it's a pretty delightful way to spend your hour and a half, so a little over an hour and a half, and it's easily accessible. It's pretty fun. So uh, I, I would say you know, you, there are worse things you can do with your time, like uh, watching a college Absolutely. basketball game. Definitely a worse way to spend your day. Depending <laughs> uh, on we, where your fandom was. Right, yes, yeah, that's true. Once we do pick uh, our movie for next week, then you can send in your feedback ratings, questions, comments to at Ladder Movie on Twitter, the movie ladder at gmail.com. Also the movie ladder on Letterboxd as well. So get that uh, get that into us. We love getting get listener feedback. We love it. We love we love hearing from everybody. So. Was uh, always by maybe whose suggestion was this last week? So this was my suggestion. So this makes it three in a row for me, Zach. Oh wow, look at you. You're on a little bit of a hot seat. And I am currently at Three and a half points tied with the listeners. Three and seven. I have zero. So you have zero, and our guests also have zero. But we don't have any guests. Wait, didn't? Are you sure? I am. Because wasn't wasn't this Haley's suggestion last week, or was it your suggestion? This was my suggestion. She said she would have put it on her list if I hadn't. Okay. It it was my it was my pick. And oh, that's right. And that was actually the exact same thing that. that Amy said the week before about my best Correct. friend's wedding. I, I, yeah, I stole list. both of the Bachelorette podcast hosts' picks. Nice. Because uh, that's how I roll. And, uh, yeah, just another shout-out to the hosts of the Bachelorette podcast, Amy and Haley. Check out their podcast, The Bachelor Wrap-Ups, on Reality TV Wrap-Ups Network. I would imagine they will have a lot to say this week with all of the Chris Harrison news. Yeah. Right? 
So even if you don't watch I, The Bachelor, listen to their podcast to hear about what's going on with Chris Harris. Yeah, and we, we really love having guests and Amy and Haley, um, especially, were really great the last couple of weeks. So yes. thanks again to them um, and good luck with everything that they have going on over there with The Bachelor at COVID. Yes, so. they probably are recording that. I think they record on Tuesday nights as well. So they're probably uh, yeah, recording, they're probably well. recording right now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so, you know, we'll, we'll sprinkle in guests from time to time. If you guys have suggestions for guests, send it in. Uh, it's just sometimes hard to, because we tried. We had two potential guests lined up this week, and it uh, just didn't work out timing-wise. And it's just hard because we like to record this early in the week. Mm-hmm. But we also, it's hard to announce who what our movie is going to be for the following week until later in the week. So it gives us a very short window to book guests. So. And, I mean, a lot, of our, a lot of our guests also have plenty of other things going on in their lives. So... You know, they they may be recording another podcast, at, you know, and not be as flexible as um, we may be. So it's, yes. you know, but we'll do our best to squeeze people. In. We will. We will. And uh, all right. Well, Brennan, it's just the two of us. Um, what was the best thing you watched this week? OK, so I have a gritty 1970s takes place in Boston. Bunch of mobsters, bunch of gangsters, bunch of criminals, crime movie called The Friends of Eddie Coyle. They first came up uh, last season. It was recommended by Kyle. We didn't pick it last season on the podcast, but I kept it on my list because I was super intrigued. I finally was able to get to it for my own, um, for my ladder of the Criterion collection. Mm-hmm. And it's really fantastic. It stars Robert Mitchum, who is quickly becoming like, my favorite actor of this year of movie watching between this and my earlier watch this year of night of the hunter. Um, it involves a, uh, it involves a lifelong criminal who is trying to basically pull quote unquote one last job so that he can retire and move to Florida. And as you know, from the genre that just, you know, no spoilers, but that generally, doesn't go well and and they usually have a lot of uh, complications surrounding anyone who says this is going to be their last job for a crime heist picture uh it involves bank robbery it involves gangsters it involves mob it involves a bunch of dirty cops it takes place in and around boston and the suburbs of uh quincy massachusetts and it's really really well made it's really gritty I, I highly recommend it. I mean, I gave it four and a half stars on Letterboxd as soon as I finished it. because And I, you know, I've started taking the approach that you take these days of not actually star rating my uh, my movies when I finish them. Good. But this one I hopped on and was like, I gotta, I gotta star rate this. Because I want people to see this. It's so mm-hmm. good. And oh, I'm shocked more people don't know this movie. And that it's like not more... Um, well regarded than I than I think that it is. I think people are starting to rediscover it because of Criterion, which is great. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I uh, did not have it on my watch list. I put it on my watch list. That is the Friends of Eddie Croyle from 1973. So uh, I will check that out. All right. And for me, so uh, this week I watched a lot more westerns. Believe it or not. Shocked. I, I know. I think I, I do think actually this week upcoming will be the last week of me catching up on new westerns. I have a few left on my kind of. I mean, we don't. Nice. Who knows? More might pop up, but um, I I have a couple coming up this week. But 
this last week, I finally uh, finished the uh, Man With No Name trilogy. So Excellent. I started it, I think, before our last podcast I had watched uh, uh, Fistful of Dollars. And so yeah. I watched uh, for a few dollars more and The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Um, both really great. I think The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly is the one that more people prefer. Um, I actually kind of go back and forth. I, I think I might have actually liked for a few dollars more. More? Then the good, the bad, they're both really, really good. They're both right next to each other. I'm working on a top 10 Westerns letterbox list, and they're right next to each other. It's just a matter of which is ahead. Um, I think the good, the bad, and the ugly probably has a little bit more of a message in it, but uh, yeah, for a few dollars more, I just thought was like a really good, uh, good showdown between you know, really kind of three characters, but like a two on one showdown and mm. a really memorable villain as well. Um, and just felt like uh, Leone works with some some character archetypes that nice. uh, were really well defined in that movie. So, yeah, the good and the bad and the ugly gets more of the reputation and praise. I think um, mm-hmm. it's the much better known and sort of st- stands the test of time as one of the because it's got the iconic Clint Eastwood shots right. in it. Yep, and people really like. I think the name is a lot catchier too. Mm-hmm. So people tend to like think Clint Eastwood, good, bad, and the ugly. You know, I, I will say, like, and I, I and listeners of this podcast know I screw up movie titles uh, and and mm-hmm. people's names. Fair amount. I do keep wanting to call it for a few more dollars, not right. for a few dollars more. Um, right. So the good, the bad, the ugly. It's kind of hard to screw that one up, I guess, unless you right, said like exactly. the the bad, the good, and the ugly, or something right, along right. those lines. Um, so, but it was weird watching these back to back because um, Lee, Van, Lee Van Cleef is kind of the you know the main character after Clint Eastwood in both of these movies um and it's you know he's the he's like the quote-unquote bad in the good the bad and the ugly um whereas he's working with Clint Eastwood's character in uh for a few dollars more I mean they're they're kind of rivals but it's more more frenemies whereas in good bad and the ugly they're they're more adversaries so um but yeah it's you know that that trilogy is it's not exact I mean they're not it's not quite a trilogy, but it's it's like an unofficial trilogy. Right. And uh, if you haven't watched them, they're they're good. And westerns are a great escape because it looks warm in westerns. There's people mm-hmm. around each other. There's no technology. Uh, it's you know post Civil War, so country coming sure. out of uh, of these problems. So I don't know. I I I I have not been upset watching all of these westerns. Although watching so many in a row, it's made some of the ones that like especially the more recent ones that come out that people really like because they're like a throwback to classic westerns Mm -hmm. um when you watch them so close to watching the classic westerns they don't quite hold up so like i wonder um i think tombstone would but i wonder how something like the assassination of jesse james by the coward robert ford would hold up uh yeah uh both are on my watch list tombstone actually is going to be the next movie i watch excellent good choice Uh, i watched bone tomahawk so i'm gonna go kurt russell uh, Western That's great. and watch Tombstone next. So I'll let you know. Yeah. How how did your stomach hold up to Bon Tomahawk? I know that one is a little. Uh... Uh, yeah, it's, I mean it's gory. It's pretty visceral. I think is the best word mm. for it. Um, yeah, that's a great word for it. I also just feel like the slow part. Like it's such a slow build for the first seventy five percent of that movie mm. that it was kind of hard to get into it. And then it the you know the the kind of payoff at the end is like. Very exciting and suspenseful and gory. Um, right. 
And I mean, it was, I don't know. I just, I don't know if I liked it or not. It was fine. It's, I would never watch it again. Um, yeah, I, I don't plan on ever watching it again either. It's, I mean, it's an interesting <laughs> way to do it. Um, you know, if you, if you like, if you like the horror genre and you're interested mm-hmm. into Westerns, I think it's good. And it, it's a rare thing to have a horror Western. So I yeah. think, I think it's a really interesting thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, well, if you uh, if you came here to hear us talk about a romantic comedy, let us tell you about <laughs> Bone Tomahawk. <laughs> oh, God, no. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, should we hop over to Always Be My Maybe? Talk Let's about do this? it. Let's do it. All right. So Always Be My Maybe, this was Brendan's pick from last week. Um, yeah. So, Brendan, why did you pick this movie? So, I have never seen this movie. Um, I know how popular it was on Netflix when it came out. Um, it felt like a really good connection because it involves a couple who had a relationship, broke up, and then they sort of start to fall in love with it again within this movie. I didn't realize, like, how little, um, that it wouldn't necessarily connect because they're not really in a relationship when they, I mean, they're both both Randall Park and Ali Wong are in relationships at the start of this movie, and then you learn how terrible their spouses, or not spouses, but their, their significant partners are yeah. throughout the course of the movie, whereas as a contrast with um, with uh, My Best Friend's Wedding, we actually really like Cameron Diaz more in that movie than we even do Julia Roberts, so it's sort of the polar opposite where you're rooting for these two characters to work things out and get together at the end of the movie like you expect to in a classic romantic comedy. And that's sort of the opposite, not only of what we experienced with um, My Best Friend's Wedding, but also two movies ago with Philadelphia Story, where we really went into Philadelphia Story expecting either Cary Grant or Jimmy Stewart to be likable, and both of them or one of them lined up with Catherine Hepburn. And then when it turns out to be Cary Grant, who's been an asshole for the entire movie, we were shocked. Mm-hmm. And this, it's true. this movie plays way closer to the classic rom-com conventional mm-hmm. that I was expecting. And, but also in a really new and refreshing way. Like I, I really, this movie was so breezy that like it was just i barely have any notes yeah because i was just sitting back and letting the movie and the movie's charm take me away and i mean as i said earlier this movie um was written and developed over 20 years ago when randall park and ali wong first met in college which is not unlike um their relationship early on in the movie where they knew each other a long time ago separated got back together they sort of had this idea to develop a rom-com that would center around the not only their own personal experiences, but the Korean-American immigrant experience of what it's like to fall in love and see a movie like this from their vantage point rather than the average white American who you see in classic and even more modern day rom coms. Um, yeah. So I that's why one reason why I was really excited to watch it was to get that perspective. And I thought that it was done really well. Like it, I mean, 
it was conventional, but I also kind of appreciated some of its conventionality in contrast to the what we thought were going to be conventional rom-coms that weren't the last two weeks that we watched. Yeah, that's that's a good point to compare it to the other movies that we watched. Um, and convention, I think, is a good word for this because it is pretty conventional. I mean, it does kind of check so many of the romantic comedy boxes. I mean, even if you think about when we had Amy on a couple weeks ago and she said, yeah, usually in romantic comedies, you have a character who's a writer or who's doing something creative. And we have that with both of them, right? We have, we have one who's doing something creative with food and one who's doing something creative with music. Um, And, you know, you usually have that other, uh, you know, other partner and, and both these characters have significant others that they do Mm -hmm. not stay with for various reasons. Um, And then, you know, sometimes they get together at the end and in my best friend's wedding, they do not get together at the end. Um, and, and also in the Philadelphia story as well. Um, so in this one, it's a little bit more of a happy ending where they where um, uh, where Marcus has the, you know, uh, he has the, the big speech for Sasha and, um, mm-hmm. you know, he thinks it's not good. I thought it wasn't that great either, but she <laughs> liked it. It touched her. Um, That's the important part. Yeah. Yeah. And as I was watching this movie, I, so, you know, all cards, all cards on the table. I like started watching this movie and I was not in a great mood. Um, the first 15, 20 minutes of this, I was laughing. I was smiling. I actually really was kind of escaping in it. I was enjoying it. Um, then I felt like there was 45 minutes or so where, you know, outside of everything with uh, the big Keanu Reeves cameo, which we'll talk about, I just was kind of like, so what? with any of this, like, I just didn't care once we got to the present and we're just exploring like how Marcus is still in the past and Sasha is, you know, has had all this success and she's opening a restaurant. It just, it just kind of kept going the way I was expecting it to go leading up to uh, when Marcus goes up to her office and he opens the door to her office and I'm like, Oh, she's going to have a picture of them. And that's, what's going to remind him that she cares. And then he's going to go back. Now it was a little different. She had all the, uh, all of the, the marketing materials for or whatever the swag, right, but the, symbolically it's the same. right. Yeah. Yes. Um, and then, you know, and then we get the last scene where, where Marcus is the one doing like the big makeover, which usually we see the female character doing the makeover. You think of like Julia Roberts and pretty woman. Um, that's what that scene, remind, you know, we haven't done pretty woman yet, but that's what that scene reminded me a lot of, uh, which sure. when she goes into the store and he gets the suit, which he doesn't get, the, you know, again, they, they the kind tux of tux and the tux yeah. is like, yeah. <laughs> and it's like a $12,000 tux. I mean, yeah. you know, it's, some of that kind of flips what you, the expectations. Right. Um, but, you know, and, the, and then we get that, the end 10, 15 minutes where the restaurant that she's opening is actually, um, you know, is an, uh, is honoring and in, in memory of Marcus's mom, who was mm-hmm. uh, kind of Sasha's mom growing up as well, Judy. And, you know, uh, exactly what you would expect that all of these fancy restaurants that we've been seeing that are so ridiculous throughout the movie, what she's doing yeah. is a more down-to-earth restaurant. Yeah. And um, so I just overall felt like so much of it was very predictable. Right. Um, and it did exactly what I was expecting. Maybe not the way I was expecting it, but just it, it, the twists and turns that it took were, yeah, I've seen this in a lot of romantic comedies right. before. Um, what I will say though, is there were moments when the humor actually was unexpected and the jokes dropped, uh, unexpectedly. And that was some of the parts where I really laughed. I mean, um, I think everything with Keanu Reeves when he's in it is really, really strong. Um, 
and then humor wise, there were a couple other jokes like when they when they have the big fight and they're in the they're in the Burger King. And yeah. then the guy's like, so welcome like to Burger King, King selling yeah. flame broiled burgers since 1954. Um, I thought that was I, I really loved what he's like. Do you want it to go? Because you could take it and cry in your car. And I'm like, oh, yes, please. And, um, you know, not to, like that stuff was good, but not, and not to yeah. rag on it. But that joke of just outside of frame is the punchline for the joke. Like what you're right. seeing on screen you're waiting for it. Yeah. is one thing. And then the camera pans over a little bit and they're in line at Burger King or the camera pans right. over and she's been screaming into the phone, but the window's open and all the kids are hearing her screaming right. at her boyfriend. Um, and it happens a couple times during the movie where it's funny and it's cute, but it's just not as clever, I think, as the movie thinks that it is. Um, and so I, I, I think that's where I, that's where I just get like, I, I would I would recommend this movie. This is where it's hard for me to say this. Mm-hmm. Not to compare it to Bone Tomahawk, but like I feel this. I would <laughs> give this the exact same rating I would give Bone Tomahawk in that oh, I liked it. I'm glad I watched it. I probably would never watch it again, and I would probably recommend it to somebody to watch because why not? Right. Um, but I like I wouldn't put this on any top list. Like it's not on my top romantic comedies list. Um, and I, I do think the like you talked about too, like that it's not just about a bunch of white people is. Uh, really good for this movie. And I did really like seeing that perspective, the perspective of these two characters, especially when they're kids in the nineties, because I could, uh, I could like, I could understand that as being a kid of the nineties. And I see these Mm -hmm. two Asian American characters who are friends who are, you know, they only understand each other really. Like that's like their closest friend. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I knew people like that growing up at the exact same time period. So Mm -hmm. it, um, you know, to totally look at it from my perspective, it, I think that that, that period where they're showing them as kids in the nineties, I wanted more of that. Yeah. Um, I wanted more of that too. That was really cute. Like the, um, I loved like when he rings the doorbell and she opens it and then she just slams it in his face. It's just like, haha, just slam the door in your face. That's the joke. And that was like, okay, yeah, that is really funny. Yeah. <laughs> like, 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 like that's like that's the sort of charming stuff I wanted more of, for yeah. sure too. And instead, the movie sort of subverts to some of the rom-com tropes with. But I think what it what it does with that is that it gives you two. After writing it, where you really buy the both the affection and the issues they have with each other and you know that they're gonna like work through that and everything's gonna be fine and they're gonna get together in the end and that's kind of the point of it to a degree because it sets up from minute one that they're gonna get together at the end because they were always meant to be together because they're the only two that understand each other and i do think that i I, yeah and i do definitely think that the leads in this movie um are really great you know in in randall park and ali wong um I I think they have really good chemistry together. I thought Ali Wong gave, gave a great performance. Um, mm-hmm. I I really actually liked her character being this um, you know this driven restaurant professional. Oh you mm-hmm. know like so successful. I could totally buy that. And the way that she acts, the way she performs, the her phone voice that they call out early in the movie, which never really comes back. And I would have liked if somehow that came back around to that- maybe not have an impact on the plot, but like the idea of a phone voice and that people that somebody is putting on a front 
in yeah. the professional world. I mean, it's the same thing you and I are doing, right? Like yeah, we're talking, absolutely. we're talking on these microphones and the way we were talking before we hit record is like, we have totally different tones than, absolutely. than our podcast voice. And so yeah. I thought like that right up until that point was where I was like, this movie is actually dealing with some interesting ideas. And mm-hmm. then it just kind of gets to like, will they, won't they, right. uh, he has a girlfriend. She, as soon as she gets approached to the bar by, by somebody and they both deleted texts that they were going to send to each other to reach right. out, you're okay. And then they, when they meet up the farmer's market, it would say, like I said, coming a mile around the corner that she's going to say like, I have a boyfriend now I've met somebody oh, when he's ready to, when, when, uh, Marcus is ready to, right. to, uh, profess his love to her. Right. And the thing that saves it from being the ultra super conventional at that point is that it the way they subvert it is really interesting and something that most movies wouldn't dare to do in that they don't just make it some douchey guy. They make it an exaggerated version of a famous person because she is also a famous person. She's a, Mm -hmm. she's basically a top chef. She's like a world famous Padma Lakshmi esque you know, uh, Cara de Guardia style chef. You're dropping all your top chef knowledge on the listeners. Who's world renowned and could be, um, you know, could be dating any type of celebrity. And she turns out to have met Keanu Reeves of all freaking people and decides to, you know, and so I think that's one thing I really enjoyed. And I wish that, the internet hadn't spoiled two years ago when this movie came out. Like I knew, I knew about the Keanu thing and I wish it hadn't. Yes. But it also didn't make it any less effective because I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know how long he was in the movie. I thought maybe it was just a cameo. Right. I didn't yeah, have any right. context for that. And the fact that he's in it for us, for the meat of the movie for a solid 20, 25 minutes in the middle just like is is fantastic because it really right when the right when the movie is starting to feel very conventional it does this wacky thing to sort of save it from being run-of-the-mill rom-com in giving you an an outrageous performance yeah So. so um with with the keanu stuff so i remember hearing that he was in this back when this came out and then I forgot, um, mm. but I think this was right around, like this might have been like the same weekend that John Wick 3 came out or right around mm. the same time John Wick 3 came out. So I remember it being like, oh my God, can you believe like John Wick is in this? And he looks the same too. It's like, can you believe right. John Wick is in this Netflix rom-com? Um, then I totally forgot that he was in mm. this. Even when we picked the movie last week, I totally forgot he was in this. And then Av, our old uh, podcast co-host on this, he uh, he said something about like, you know, great cameo coming up next week. And then I was like, oh yeah, there is. I'm like, oh yeah, I do remember there was a cameo in this podcast, in this movie, but I don't remember who it is. And so I like in the back of my mind felt like maybe it's Keanu Reeves, but I'm like, it could be a lot of other people. I just can't remember exactly who's in this. And it wasn't until you see the, just the back of his head and you hear like a super deep voice that is not Keanu Reeves's like, it's a, it's like a, like a, um, like the bass is turned way up on Keanu's voice. It right. doesn't really sound like him, like they're trying to disguise it. But at that point, I was like, oh yeah, that's Keanu Reeves. And so then I knew that Keanu Reeves was going to be the cameo. So that might've also been why I felt like it was so 
um, you know, it was so predictable that she was going to be dating somebody. And it's like, you know, and then like the the reveal of who she's dating, like, you know, it's going to be Keanu Reeves coming around the right. corner at of that course. point. And yeah. so, um, you know, the characters are surprised. I was not. Now, I think the performance still had a lot of surprises in that whole scene yeah. um, where they're in that ridiculous, like, uh, you know, gastro gastro food um, gastro pub was really fun. yeah no not gastro pub what is it called it's called like gastronomy like food gastronomy or uh, something yeah, like yeah. there's a restaurant like that in dc as well where everything oh, yeah, is it's like, um, like, yeah it's, it's like, Entre's place. yeah it's like called like mini bar i think or something or as, like or as daniel day clinton would say jose andres yes uh and i did love jose andres being uh referenced in this movie considering that we talked with Haley strong last week and her and i it's went it. to a jose andres restaurant when she was in dc many years yeah, ago yeah we went to Williamville. Yeah, yeah, it's like a nice, uh, you know, restaurant ladder as well. Yeah, it's um, a restaurant ladder. Going back, yeah, going back to last week's podcast. Um, and that whole scene is really funny. Like, just, it, it is very over the top, but it's, yeah. you also could see that being a real restaurant where it's like, oh, oh yeah, this is this is uh, Caesar salad flavor, right? Like, this is taste <laughs> of Caesar salad or, um, you know, what are they like? This is like peppermint air, peppermint bubbles or something like that. And um, And then I did actually laugh out loud. The one time I, I really laughed pretty hard during this movie was when they said that you can get the venison and it comes with headphones so you can hear the sounds of the animal that you're eating while you're eating <laughs> it to complete the circle of life. Um, and then Keanu Reeves in that scene where he just starts crying and he's like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> like uh, that. I thought that was all really funny. So, well, did you notice you know, something when he starts crying and like t- touches his glasses? No, his glasses don't have any lenses. Oh, didn't he reference that the glasses were uh, fake glasses or something? Yeah, so they're fake glasses, which makes him wearing them throughout the thing even funnier. Mm-hmm. And it, um, he had, like Keanu Reeves apparently that was his own idea. In uh, in when they let Keanu sort of come up with what the exaggerated version of himself was going to be mm-hmm. when they pitched this to him, like they didn't think they were going to get Keanu Reeves, mm-hmm. and then Keanu Reeves read the script and was like i'll do it but i'm gonna play like a like an over-the-top version of myself that's the only way it's gonna work and he was like all right so i want to have my own dialogue and come up with my own wardrobe and wear my own glasses without lenses Mm. it's like they're like all right fine whatever you want keanu yeah (laughs) And then he's, you know, he's, he tries to fight Marcus in this and, um, and he has that, I mean, his, his apartment that he lives in is so like that had such a cool view. I really, really like that. I think it was a pet house hotel. Okay. It wasn't Um, even a, yeah. Yeah. Like where he lived, I could totally see that just being like some place that Keanu Reeves has and he's super rich and he references, you know, that like the dinner was $6,000, but it was, you know, like one of his residuals from speed, you know, it's just like, um, yeah, all, so all of that. It. All of that really elevated the middle of the movie for me when I was just kind of like, okay, yes, like they're both going to start seeing people, then they're going to break up with their people. One's going to chase after the other, like exactly kind of the way exactly. it, the plot points it hit were exactly what you would expect that movie to hit plot for sure. Wise. And you also expect the girl that Randall Park is seeing to wind up with whatever yes. douchebag she's dating, so that yeah, right. And then when it winds up being Keanu Reeves, you're like. Yeah, okay, that's fine. She can stay with Keanu. It's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, I did like Marcus's, like, his band. I, I thought, yeah. like, 
I liked everything that played out with them where they accidentally order the tennis balls and then it ends up playing out that the this song that they write that kind of ends up being their breakout is all about bouncing like a tennis ball. And um, it has that uh, like the line in there, you really can bounce any ball except – it will bounce <laughs> really like any ball except a football. Um, right. I thought that was That's, very – That was that really was funny, good. yeah. Yeah. Um, so some, some of that stuff is fun. I just thought – Yeah. Like, I just wish kinda... we had gotten more from the band because you sort of just like get – their personalities like who these band members are really towards the end mm-hmm. and i wish they had been, been there from the beginning like i wish you had gotten to know a younger version of the people that were in this band when we met the you know high school version of random parks character right like if we had gotten those people a little younger like we did veronica mm-hmm. like a real like a real version of them where they actually had dialogue it would have meant more towards the end so i thought the band was a little underdeveloped um yeah i i just think like yeah the, the stuff that could have been really interesting in this just wasn't explored in favor of your standard romantic comedy uh development right. and that's like that's veronica where i is, really hung up on this yeah I, I think so too and like veronica is really there to be the sassy best friend who's there to give a one-liner Right. And that's it. But it's also like intentionally that trope. So like you don't see her for 20 minutes at a time in this movie. And then she comes in to give a line and then goes away again. Yeah, I did. I did wonder. I was like, is Veronica still in this movie? And then she shows right. up towards the but end. But the same thing happens with the dad, with um Mr. Kim. Like Harry, he disappears yeah. for. Yeah, Harry disappears for a solid 30 minutes of the movie. And you're like, all right, I guess we're done with that character. And then he comes back at the end and you're like oh yeah good i'm glad we're not done with him because i was wondering where he was and it turns out he had fallen in love with a singer at the birthday party earlier yeah. Which is, that's like that's a fun callback to the birthday party yeah. scene um yeah i just like you know it's usually i am all for things being short and concise i think that there's so much that could have been explored especially considering this is on netflix that right. this really could have been a season of a show where even if it's kind of set up where it's like a flash forward where you're seeing them as kids and then you're seeing them as adults and it's set up like lost almost where you're seeing flashbacks and flash flash forwards throughout the show. And, you know, speaking of Daniel day, Kim, and you get, you know, you just get to expand out on some of the ideas, especially like, you know, like Marcus loses his mom. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so then he's, you know, he's still living with his dad all these years later, but there's gotta be some stuff tied up with that where he feels um, you know, he feels kind of a dedication to his dad. He doesn't want to leave his dad on his own. And I guess that but does sort dad, of get touched on at the end when his dad's in a relationship again. Um, it's there in the it's there in the beginning a little too, where he's you know with his dad is a diabetic and he's giving him the needle shot. Yeah, that's true. But it's not really enough of like there's no stop down with that. They they right. sort of yada yada all of that. So yeah, and I mean like they so they are Harry and Sons and they have a, mm-hmm. an HVAC company. So they go in and do heating and cooling. Um, right. San Francisco is not a cheap place to live. No. And I do not know if I buy that they can afford to live in San Francisco making money from my HVAC company. Depends what neighborhood, I guess. But yeah, I don't know enough about the real estate in San Francisco to say yeah. for sure. Um Maybe if one of our listeners is in the Bay I mean, Area. I, I, I mean, I know that I, mean, I, I think it's, I it's less so the real estate 
in San Francisco and more so like, could you make that much money running an HVAC company? Maybe, I guess like I mean, it is a pretty special. I mean, it's pretty, I don't know, cloudy. It's like cloudy <laughs> and cool, but I mean, everybody <laughs> needs HVAC. It's just a matter of, could you make enough money doing that? Um, to live comfortably in a place that's that, I mean, San Francisco is more expensive than DC. So, True. True. um, and you know, for, for Marcus, like he works at the HVAC company as well. And then also has this band on the side. Um, right. And it did seem like their house was pretty okay. The one they were living in. Yeah. In so, yeah, I just, I think they would be struggling a little bit more. Um, mm. but I mean, that's, that's a little nitpicky, but, um, you know, when you put a movie in San Francisco and you right. see, I mean, there's a lot of talk about like hipsters coming into San Francisco and gentrifying and opening coffee right. shops. And, you know, they get referenced a lot of times, like the way San Francisco has changed, which probably comes from the writing. I, I don't know where Randall Park and Ali Wong are from, but if they're from San Francisco, it would make sense that they've seen their mm-hmm. their town change over the last 15 years. And that's what they're commenting um, on. I believe they, I had this written down, they both went to college in Southern California. Mm-hmm. At you at an offshoot of UC, I believe, but I don't have the specific school, do I? Uh, no, I do that, that I can find right away. Uh, UC, actually, no, sorry, UCLA. They both attended UCLA. Okay, yeah, so but that's that's so, Southern California. But so that's not, that's not LA, Francisco. not San Francisco. So I don't. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that this movie does some stuff really good, um, and does just some stuff very standard. Which is fine. It's just there's been so many romantic comedies that, like, what what makes you that much different besides the fact that the two lead characters are Asian? Um, and, you know, this movie does have great representation in general. It's got mm-hmm. a very diverse cast. It's got a very diverse crew, um, especially after My Best Friend's Wedding and the Philadelphia Story, which both right. were not diverse at all. You know, it is nice to get this movie in the mix. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Um. All right, my next question, Please. and what I was expecting. So I was expecting Always Be My Baby to be kind of something that, like, it was an early song in the movie, maybe something they connected over, maybe a school dance, they danced to it or something. And it does not play until the very end of the movie, until the last scene of the right. movie. And then the title pops up, and it says Always Be My Baby. Well, Always Be My Baby is never at all referenced as a line, as an idea, anything in this movie. And so I don't understand the title at all. Mm-hmm. I don't quite either, and I also don't understand it because it's it's not always be my baby. It's always be my baby. Right, song is always be my baby. Song, so it's, so right. it's like, so it's a yeah, play off of so, that phrase yeah, in that song title, but it's right. It was never played off. It's like a joke that is just written as the title of the movie, but it it never actually comes up. And I don't even think that always my baby describes them because they're not. Always my maybe right, would imply that they, they were, were never like, maybes because right. they had that huge fight and right. broke up. So there was never a maybe. The only person they were a maybe to was like the dad, right? Yeah. Well, and it's about each other. It's not about the dad, I don't think. Right. So, um, you know, so like what would make more sense for that title to be used for is if this is a movie about them over these 20 years and Sasha is single at one point and Marcus isn't, you know, it's like it's like right. a Ross and Rachel or more like um, a. A Harry yeah, Met Sally. Harry Met Sally, exactly. Um, which I did wonder if the the father being named Harry was a reference to Harry Met Sally. Quite um, possibly. Um, yeah. And and that's what I was expecting from this movie. And not just they were good friends, then they had sex, ruined their friendship for 20 right. years, and then came back together. And then for whatever yeah. reason, they reconnected and had sex again and became a couple. 
um, and then got together. Like it just was this movie should I don't know what this movie should be called instead, but always more maybe is just not the right title for this movie at all. Yeah, it does seem a little off. It seems like they had the idea for the title and then wrote the movie without like actually connecting it. Yeah, I don't, it, it does, or maybe it does they feel got like, the rights to the song "Always Be My Baby" and they were like, "But I don't, I, Always My Baby" isn't the name of the song. It's just like they changed one word of the song, so you right. wouldn't even need the. It's it's very weird. No, but it they is, needed it the is rights like, to play it over the end credits. I mean, well, yeah, but that's just. I mean, that's different though. That's just getting the rights to the song being played right. in the movie. Um, yeah, it's it's very it's a very strange choice. Um, it yeah. does feel like Netflix was like, you know, this movie was called something else something. and Netflix was like no we need something that's gonna like attract people oh always my maybe is yeah. like a popular 90s song so we'll we'll play that over the end credits and then we'll make that right. title of the movie and it's not even like a common pun look it's it's not like it's not a phrase it's just it the the phrase always my maybe also, I had never heard until the title of this movie came out it's also not a maybe really that they'll end up with each other like I mean you would expect there to be a lot more will they want the they right. as you were saying like it does yeah you're right it doesn't make a lot of sense it, you would expect there to be a lot more will they won't they in the 20 years that we don't see yeah yeah that's exactly. like not just exactly. that like they don't talk for 20 years um yeah. and i do really love the concept of you haven't seen somebody in 20 years and you you reconnect some random day back in your hometown and yeah and then you know and you see how like one person has changed and one person has changed this way and you know the idea that that uh marcus is really kind of the same person he was 20 years ago he lives with his dad he works with his dad uh still in a band and uh and sasha has grown to this restaurant superstar and is super successful and you know has her eye on the prize like that is a really interesting concept that is just sort of a backdrop for this movie right should we, I mean, how much do we want to get into the Netflix of it all with this movie? I mean, this movie came out um, and did have a limited theater run, but really was heavily promoted by Netflix and was the second big, quote-unquote, Netflix blockbuster of 2019 after Bird Box, right? I mean, it was like the big thing that Netflix was set, saying we had blah, 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 million subscribers watch this on the first weekend. Oh, and yeah. Um, I mean, does, but they also haven't really seemingly capitalized on it and tried to get big names to do genre movies in the same way as this. I mean, unless you want to say they did it with Triple Frontier with Ben Affleck and Oscar Isaac and those guys, but that's not quite the same thing. Yeah, I'd have like, to look at what other uh, Netflix movies came out around the same time. I mean, Triple Frontier is a good one. It's the like total opposite of this because it's an action movie, not a romantic comedy with big names. But um, I mean, El Camino was around this time as well. True, um, but that was always going to be a movie on AMC, and they just sold the rights to versus like Netflix, a Netflix per- the produced. Yeah, yeah. so. It's not quite the same thing. I mean, Netflix bought this out of Sundance, I think, mm-hmm. and basically got the got the rights and said, "We'll give you a limited theatrical run, but we want this to be a Netflix thing." And they they Netflix has sort of made self produced rom coms their thing. Right, like you never see them because they're not in our algorithms, but there are hundreds of Netflix you know, rom-coms in their system that nobody's ever seen. 
Yeah, what's the one um, to all the boys I've loved before, yeah, which I like think that. has like a bunch of. Uh, I think they just had a new one come out this weekend. Yeah. Um, as well, but yeah, those don't show up in in my Netflix algorithm. Um, but yeah, I think you know, I think the idea of a Netflix movie now is just you know, there's a Netflix movie coming out every week. So, and it's a little bit different because they they purchased the rights to a lot of theatrical produced movies, but they literally have a movie coming out every week now. So, the fact that this came out on Netflix, I mean, this you know, kind of reminds me of the happiest, uh, the happiest season that came out on Hulu over okay. the last, uh, December, which is kind of similar to this where it's a romantic comedy with, uh, diverse leads that are not just straight white people. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, has a lot of the elements of a kind of a standard romantic comedy. So it doesn't do, you know, it doesn't do too many things outside of the box. And I think that's a good comparison to this movie is that, did you see the happiest season? I didn't. Um, okay, was it good? Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I feel about that the way I feel about this. Um, I, I sort of I, felt the same way watching it as I did like Palm Springs. Oh, where, no, wait, like, Palm, Palm Springs, Springs was really, this. No, but no. Palm Springs was such a huge hit when no one was expecting one at the time that it came out. Mm-hmm. And nobody was really expecting this to be a hit when it hit Netflix. So it sort of had a moment like Palm Springs did where it was like super in the zeitgeist for a few weeks, thanks to the streaming service that it premiered on. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think it would have like died on the vine in the theater. You know? Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. Palm, I mean, Palm Springs was a, was a um, festival hit and I don't know if it was ever set up for a theatrical run or if it just went right to Hulu. I believe but, it was. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just different now having movies that just immediately premiere streaming. Um, <laughs> And, you know, and it makes it more accessible now because we're all stuck at home. So, you know, it's just this movie is there. Like anybody, when they have an hour and a half, can just throw on this movie if they want. If they're like, oh, I want to watch something kind of like cute and, uh, you know, and romantic. This is one that they could do. Mm. So I think, sure. I mean, you, you you could definitely go worse than this. Um, definitely. You could also go better. But um I, I do think, too, I was confused what this was going to be coming in because the the image on the letterbox page for Always Me Maybe is them at the big uh, awards reception at the end of the movie. And yeah. so I figured that this was like a wedding movie. Like, it looks like they're both yeah. dressed up. It looks like they're going to a wedding or a reunion or something. And so I was expecting this to be a story about them, you know, meeting back up for like a high school reunion or a friend's right. wedding and they haven't seen each right. other in all these years, which I think would have probably been a better backdrop than just – She's in town opening a restaurant and right. they reconnect. I don't know. I mean, I, I did really like the aspect of her being a restaurateur. And because, I'm, I mean, as you said earlier, I'm a big food guy. Like I watch all the top chefs and all those mm-hmm. things like it. So it, it tickled me to have that as an element of it, because I've watched all of these Food Network and Bravo shows where they talk about how culinary tastes has changed and all these famous restaurateurs are opening, you know, restaurants that don't actually feature the cuisine of their culture, but they claim to. Mm-hmm. Like, it's one of those things like Dave Chang always, um, always complains about with um, with his show. What, what was his? Oh, Ugly the, Delicious. Yeah, Ugly Delicious. Like, he always complains about the corruption of his food of his culture's food and how no one is really true to the way they grew up eating anymore. And Mm -hmm. 
I thought that was a really interesting backdrop for a romantic comedy. And yes. so I, I really enjoyed that character aspect of Ali Wong's character. Yeah. And I do think um, that's, you know, the tying it to David Chang because his show, I think, does show, does really highlight that and highlight the mm. food he grew up eating and that, you know, things like kimchi that he ate growing up, like he would be made fun of at school when he would bring kimchi because his, his right. lunch would stink, but it was something his family ate and it was, you know, customary dish. And we do get that in the beginning of the movie and we get mm. that look around food where, uh, you know, it's, it's actually, I didn't even really pick up on it, but Sasha is making that, that spam meal at the beginning of the movie mm. where she's making spam and she has the rice and she puts uh, like sesame seeds and seaweed on the rice and puts the little umbrella in it. And mm. it's taking so much care with her food as like a six-year-old because she's on her own because her parents left her on her own and for that to be what kind of propels her she then learns from judy how to do some other things with food how to cut with scissors and um and then she doesn't really rediscover her she gets all the success and then rediscovers her roots with judy's restaurant at the end of the movie that is a that is like a nice bookend and again the bookends of this movie the first 15 20 minutes the last 10 minutes and then that keanu scene in the middle all adds up to like a good hour. And mm. then there's 45 minutes of stuff that I could have just left on the cutting room floor. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. So That's do a... we, speaking of Top Chef and, you know, Korean Americans, do we want to talk about Daniel Day Kim as the initial villain of this movie? Somebody that you and I both love from his work on Lost. Um, I also did watch the first few seasons of Hawaii Five O. Where he's Jin Ho Kelly, uh, one of the uh, lead detectives on that show. He's really, really great. And it was really fun to see him pop up here in a sort of D bag role where he's just like the douchey boyfriend. Yeah. Um, which was not what I was expecting when I saw he was in this movie. Like, I didn't know what his role was going to no, be. No, because that's um, not a character he normally plays, is that yeah. is that role. So I um, I thought he was fine. He wasn't really, I mean, was he even in the movie after the first No, he's not. Hour? I mean, and I, I kept expecting him to pop up at the end. Right. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, it, it was kind of weird to have him there. Like, he's just kind of, yeah, he's like her super successful, like, older boyfriend. Um, I thought especially in the be- in, like, those scenes early on in the movie – they're doing so much like scene exposition with him where they're like, this guy is a successful businessman. And you want to know how you can tell because he's watching CNBC on his TV and the stock ticker is going across the screen. And he just got a call from Pat Milakshmi. Right. And, and like, (laughs) you know, they kind of the same problem I had with, with my best friend's wedding where their phones were constantly ringing, like their cell phones. And I was like, turn your ringer off, turn your damn texting clicker off. When you type on your keyboard, nobody has that clicker on anymore. And every key you're clicking, both of the characters in the back of the limo, it's like, click, 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 (laughs) turn that damn thing off. You can feel your phone vibrates when you click something. You don't need to have the, you don't need to have the sound on. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, Again, something they could have done more with the fact that she was dating a celebrity and now she's dating your kind of average Joe HVAC guy. Um, they kind of touch on that, but it just was like, right, it could have been more. It could have been more. Like, I feel like they could have had him come back and be the villain that like screws up a performance that Marcus is doing. Um, I mean, I guess, I guess then you're getting into like rom com cliche uh, territory, but. True, and maybe that's what they were trying to subvert by not having him come back in the end. But I, I wish they only got him for a day of filming. But I always want to see more of Daniel DeKim. I mean, yeah, yeah they could have had any. Honestly, like if this wasn't somebody who was in Lost, they could have had anybody in that role. 
Right, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Like it wouldn't have it wouldn't have bothered me if it was anybody else, but Jin Suquan. Yeah. I mean, also, the like you know that that like scene exposition where it's not always just dialogue exposition, exposition, but just like things that happen where it's like, okay, we get it. It's kind of like when you walk in and you see all these open boxes of his band's merchandise, and it's like, yeah, okay, like nobody would just leave open. You might have the closed boxes of merchandise, but not like everything's right. ripped open and all over her office. Like it'd be either right, it wouldn't it be there. Or, yeah, it's just like it's only there so that he can see it and see how much she cares about him right. visually. And then there's a scene when right before they get in the big fight in her apartment where she's uh, where where Sasha is like cleaning her face and Marcus is shaving. And Sasha says, I can't believe we're opening Saintly Fair tonight. And it's like, yes, this is That's the morning of Nobody is nobody saying like that. Yeah. yeah nobody yeah. is saying like, it, like, yes, they want to establish that it is the night of the big restaurant opening. And like, if Figure I had something, like, yeah. I would like, if you and I had a big podcast next week, I wouldn't like get to, you know, I wouldn't talk to you and be like, I can't believe we're recording a podcast for always be my maybe tonight. Like we both know <laughs> that's happening. Right. I mean, like, you know. <laughs> I guess you might this week. Cause we didn't know what day we were going to record, but like in general, and you can probably say that on every movie, but this one, it really bothered me. I was like, it's just, yeah. I think this is the product of a story that is written by first-time writers. And... I can't believe I'm ruining my best friend's wedding. <laughs> exactly. I can't believe my best friend is supposed to get married. I can't believe that we were supposed to get married and he's calling me. I, don't, I guess you did. Right, right, right. So, yeah. yeah. Um, I think this, you know, talk about like script punch-up. I think this, this movie just needed a little bit of a script punch-up. Um, yeah. The idea is there. It just wasn't totally executed. Yeah, I think I agree. Yeah. Um, and I did really like Sasha's yellow hat, her beanie. It was very cool. Yes. Yes. Like her outfits in general, I thought like, I don't usually notice outfits in movies, but I did think like she was very stylish and fashionable. Yeah. I thought, I thought both of them, especially like the different costumes they, they had through the years when they were doing all the flashes through time were really good. And I like that she makes fun of his jumpsuit when he shows up as the HVAC. Yeah. That, that and, was good when they're kind of ripping on each other. That was fun. Yeah. Like I, I yeah, I, I thought they did a good job with um all of the styles throughout the throughout the movie. All right, should we get into listener feedback? Why don't we? Yeah. I can't believe we're opening up the listener feedback. Oh my god. I wonder who will email us this time. Yeah. Uh all right. Oh, I guess that means I have to uh start with Jeff's feedback. All right. Jeff said he thought this was a pretty good rom com, better than your typical Hallmark movie. Even though it was better, it still had plenty of things that reminded me of watching a million Hallmark movies with my wife. Had two people who were in love and drifted apart. One comes back to hometown. They reconnect, lose their own significant others, and fall asleep. Um, they fall don't fall asleep. asleep. They, fall, they fall in love. <laughs> Maybe that's a Freudian slip. Maybe yeah. I'm like, oh, there we go. Fall asleep. Fall in love. With about 20 minutes left of the movie, there is a problem, quote unquote, that separates them. And by the end, they magically get back together. There are one twist was how the restaurant was named after his mom and featured all of her restaurant all of her recipes knew that there would be some kind of more traditional restaurant opening because he complained about the type of food that she made all in all give this a three up from 2.5 because of the ending um yeah i do think that was kind of foreshadowed throughout this yeah i mean this is this is what um amy was talking about two weeks ago with the standard rom-com template that um, most most movies go through and how Philadelphia's story didn't quite follow it, but it's there. Like, you're waiting for it. Like, guy meets girl. They have a fight. They break up. They get back together. Blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. You know, it's... Yeah. 
Yeah, I do. Having watched this movie and My Best Friend's Wedding and Philadelphia Story back to back to back, I really Mm. appreciate even more how unconventional Philadelphia Story was. And it was before romantic comedies came out, but how it did so much stuff differently and didn't just follow the blueprint that uh, a lot of the ones that came after it did. For sure. I'm still not upping my score, but I... (laughs) Yeah. Uh, All right, so... uh... Three for Jeff. So Kyle Kyle came in and he gave it a score of 3.5. A perfectly enjoyable movie. It succeeds in a lot of areas that my best friend's wedding fails at. Setting up the backstory and the kids' relationship and having two incredibly likable leads. Some of the dialogue slash jokes felt a bit rom-com, paint by numbers, but it was so charming that it doesn't matter. The weird Keanu parody was a highlight. Also, I've had the act the apple taffy balloon that this movie makes fun of at Alina's in Chicago. It was delicious, and no one should let the movie dissuade them from enjoying molecular gastronomy. That is the word we were looking for earlier. Molecular. Yes, that is what we're. That's what we're looking for. Yeah. Uh, Kyle has a question that he wants to end with. Which soundtrack do you prefer between this and My Best Friend's Wedding? Uh, I prefer this because it played fun '90s music. And um, I love Always Be My Baby. I just wish they would have somehow had something to do with it earlier in the movie. So the title and the drop at the end made sense. Right. I agree. Or, I mean, I really love the soundtrack of um, the way the movie uses the soundtrack in My Best Friend's Wedding is, I think, a lot more interactive and fun. (laughs) But I think this one, if I'm going to throw on a soundtrack, I'm probably going to throw on the soundtrack to this movie. Yeah. Like all the music when they're in the car. Um, as well was really good and um i don't have any of the songs that were they played early but um they were all like 90s hits that i recognized um and also i i think that uh i think the the band i think marcus's band was like not, not bad, bad for a movie yeah, band not i thought bad. it was a pretty not good for a movie band yeah like for like a like a nerdy you know like playing the keyboard and rapping like i i yeah. wouldn't be mad if i was at a bar and that band started playing so yeah all right. uh, uh, what does Olin say? And thank you for giving us that term, molecular gastronomy. That yeah, was what that's I was what we're looking for. Earlier. Um, how did this movie make you feel about restaurants? Like, did it make you miss restaurants? Did it make you be like, wow, restaurants are ridiculous? It sounded place. about right. Like, it made me feel like, you know what? Restaurants are ridiculous, and we spend way too much money at them and paying attention to the ridiculous things that they do. Um, It made me miss, like, classic like my local go-tos that i really love but it didn't really like make me miss going to new restaurants that i've never been to before like it's, yeah like going to like the pretentious restaurant where yeah. you spend 150 bucks nah. um because we did that a lot in dc and yeah. you know never went to molecular gastronomy even though like I, I wanted to but there was always like oh we're gonna try this restaurant we're gonna get like this really weird thing especially when i ate meat and dairy i would always try the really weird thing on the menu um yeah, but, no yeah. need to do that anymore. No, but it did make me okay. kind of miss, like, socializing around food with people. Right, of course. Because there's, like, like there's, there's some really good places in D.C. for sitting around and taking two hours with some friends and ordering just a shit ton of tapas. Yeah. That are, like, all really good. Like, and you just sit there and you order as much food as you can and you have a really good time. And, like, that's what I miss. Mm-hmm. Like that's the restaurant experience in this. Yeah, you can't really do that right now. 
All right. So Olin's feedback. Uh, well, that film very much felt like one of two halves. First half I found breezing. The leads were watchable, but it wasn't funny or interesting. Uh, a lot of the jokes were delivered very naturalistically, which meant they never really landed. Um, yeah, there is like kind of just like an awkwardness that you can either find, like you might find funny. I found the awkwardness kind of funny between the leads, but I could say I would just would be like, oh, that didn't land. Um, then uh, actually a few minutes before the Keanu Reeves, Keanu Reeves cameo, things just started to ratchet up, particularly the father advising his son to dump Jenny for Sasha. Then Keanu enters with a magnificent, fun piss take of himself. The, yeah. That quarter of the film was so fun and sublime. Ooh, uh, yeah. sublime. Nice. That's what you got. Uh, even after he departed, the energy of the film was just so much better. Could have done without the final red carpet reuniting scene, but otherwise it finished strong. 3.5 out of 5. So uh, yeah. sounds like Olin liked everything I didn't like in this movie, basically. He liked That's all okay. the stuff I said that they could cut. So 3.5 <laughs> for Olin. Solid 3.5. All right. The the great Jim Crumley writes in and says, the first half of Always Be My Maybe felt like a pilot for an ABC Friday night comedy. I think we kind of hit on that earlier with uh, asking <laughs> asking about Fresh Off the Boat and other ABC comedies. So it's kind of funny he said that. Yeah. Uh, it improved after the big cameo. I'm giving it a three. Yeah. So there you go. Um, all right. And uh, Stefan Johnson says uh, this movie is the perfect netflix rom-com something you scroll by a few times and then eventually watch it and it's not disappoint it mm -hmm. also has a high rewatchability factor randall park and ali wong are great and the fact that they wrote it only makes the film better i would agree with that i think it feels very yeah. personal that they wrote it uh the dialogue is a little more realistic and truthful than other rom-coms which makes it seem more believable what is unbelievable in the best way is keanu reeves 3.5 for step fun <laughs> for sure I like and agree with all those scores. Those are all pretty average scores. Like, nobody hated it. Nobody gave it below a three. You know what's funny and is I, I'm looking on Letterboxd, and my brother gave this movie four and a half stars. Did he really? Like, half a star off of a perfect score from my I'm not, brother. I'm not, I'm not putting your brother's score in No, in no, no, podcast. no. He didn't send it. This was from 2019, so his opinion might have changed. Uh his, so his, this is what he said in his review. It's okay. not counting, but he said, an ode to 90s rom-coms, and it totally worked for me. Good. So, well, there you go. I, I thought maybe it was the Keanu. No, he doesn't even right? mention that. I don't know. What, I, I'll have well, to ask him what he liked about this. Um, yeah. I mean, it's it's fine. It's perfectly, like, enjoyable. Um, right. It doesn't really stand out to me as, uh, and I guess, you know, as we get into connections, it doesn't stand out to me more than a lot of the other romantic comedies we've done. Well, given that, why don't, why don't you go ahead and give your final score, then? Uh, yeah, I'm a three. It's You're fine. A three. Um, yeah, I think three-fifths of a good movie. Uh, one point for the first 20 minutes, one point for the Keanu stuff, and one Fair. point for the last 15 minutes. Fair. Um, I am going to go slightly higher than you and slightly higher than our listeners. I am giving this a 3.5, um, and that is mostly because I liked it more than My Best Friend's Wedding, which I gave a three last week um i had a really good time with this i laughed a lot um it was breezy i really appreciated the um fingerprints of the two leads on the script you could really tell that they really loved this and put a lot of care into the script um and as we talked about throughout this i just thought that it worked really well there were a lot of like inside food jokes that really made me chuckle such as re the references to jose andres and top chef's padma, padma lakshmi yeah they're definitely um, you know, top chef fans 
Like I Wong and Randall Park are definitely know, Top Chef fans. Yeah, I mean, you give me good food references in a rom-com, and I'm probably going to give it a couple of tenths of a point just for that. Um, So it's a solid 3.5 for me, which between a 3 and a 3.5 is going to average us out to... The listeners gave a 3.3 as their average. so And that's going to average out to a 3.267, which we're going to... Just giving it enough to get a 3.5 on Give that, it a 3.5 on, on Letterbox. So if you think your vote doesn't count, your vote definitely pushed that from a, three, point, from a 3 counts. to a 3.5. Uh, Stefan Johnson and Olin and Kyle. So uh, it sounds like we were all kind of in alignment. We're all Everybody yeah. was either a 3 or 3.5. I think I that's mean, where this movie falls. It's not It's not. There are worse ways to spend an hour and a half watching something on Netflix. Yeah, like this was this the was fact fun. that it's I, so accessible, I think, yeah. adds to its favor. And that is one of the things that's great about Netflix is that like you don't have like if I paid ten bucks to go sit in the theater and watch this, I would have given it a worse grade probably. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. So, all right. Well, that's uh, just barely by the skin of its teeth a three point five for Always My Maybe. Of course, Always My Maybe is the. What do we got? Is this the seventh movie in season two, I believe? This is our seventh movie in season right. two. Yeah. So um, the other movies that we've done, let's see if I can do it without looking at our list. We had My Best Friend's Wedding last week. Mm-hmm. We had The Philadelphia Story the week before that. The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance the week before that. Spartacus the week before that. The Monty Python Life of Brian the week before that. And Young Frankenstein. Yep. Get much further. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do uh, every movie all the way back, but uh, for now I can. Uh, so what do you have? Uh, well, I'll start connection wise. Yeah, so, yeah. Obviously we have the romantic comedy, the people coming back together after not seeing each other for a long time, reuniting right. um, a restaurant, playing a pivotal role in this movie and food playing a pivotal role for the character. Um, and uh, music, a music performance. We had karaoke and my best friend's wedding. We have rapping and this, um, and that the time period when they're growing up and they're kids is the time period when my best friend's wedding was made. So Good point. Uh, you know, the nineties and the early part of this movie was my best friend's wedding time. Yeah. And I think you also had, you know, the, uh, what was supposed to be the unlikable person that they're actually seeing, um, who actually isn't that bad. I mean, the, you know, Daniel Day Kim, yes, is a douche. Um, Jenny wasn't that bad, except that she decides to leave him for the... Uh, yeah, I think she's just supposed to be kind she's... of out there and they don't mesh with each other, like when he's right. at her... But she doesn't uh, seem like an awful person. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, you kind of have that with My Best Friend's Wedding where, they, where they're, they're dating somebody else and then... Or at least having to pretend that they're dating somebody else. Um, yeah, it's, there's... It's a the music and the wedding and the instead of a wedding, it's a funeral in this at the beginning. True. Um, where they get together, but yeah. I think you could also have um, you could also have Veronica and George's characters being similar to each other. True. Um, doesn't Veronica say that she's in a lesbian relationship? Doesn't she? she is, yes. Yeah. She says so, she and my she and my wife are having a yeah. baby. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so I think, and I, I think you could definitely see Sasha and Marcus, you know, as friends. They probably went out and saw my best friend's wedding together in the theaters. They probably did, yeah. So, uh, 
you know, uh, well, I, I will save that, but there was a time uh, when we had a connection a while back where characters in the movie were watching a movie that we connected to. So Yeah, that's true. Um, that's true. Almost. She was, I did like, uh, she was watching Clarissa Explains It All in the opening yeah. scene. And like those voices, I remember that so well, because I definitely, you were probably too old to watch Clarissa, Clarissa Explains I, I, It All. I but... used to babysit for my little cousins, and so I've seen some Clarissa Explains It All. Yeah. Yeah. So, um. So, and then I don't really have much to go back to other movies that we watched this year. Nothing really stood out as a connection. Uh, Not besides... for this year, no. Um, yeah, but for last year, the movie Map for me yeah. was uh, definitely um, blah, 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 uh, Head Fidelity. Yeah, that's okay. Except, that's, the one. That, yep. that's the big one, the most obvious one. I mean, there's Sex at a Funeral. Um, there's... <laughs> Always good to have Sex at a Funeral. Music, yeah. music being very important. Uh, there's an awkward moment at a concert where they're not sure if the band is going to be any good and the band is actually pretty good mm-hmm. um they break up and get back together a couple of times i mean this this is all high fidelity um the girl he's pursuing is way out of his league and is interested in somebody else who turns out to be a douche instead of keanu reeves it's tim robbins I was trying in to remember, was there like a was there a celebrity cameo in High Fidelity? I was trying to place a. Well, it was, it was Tim Robbins, but he was playing a character instead of being Tim Robbins. Okay, yeah. so that's the thing. Yeah. Like it could he could have been Tim Robbins, but he wasn't. Yeah, so. and I do think like the you know in High Fidelity you have Rob who owns the record store, right? Uh, and you have Sasha in this who owns the restaurant. Like they're both pursuing their passions, um, and at times being told that they're selling out as well based on music they're playing, food they're cooking. So, yeah, I have the, I have the exact same movie written down. I don't think yeah. there's anything really closer in terms of uh, of connection. I mean, you know, maybe Working Girl could have some connections. Um, A little, yeah. But, I mean... This, but this I think movie, High Fidelity is the, definitely the strongest. So Yeah, that was, that was the one that immediately came to mind in, like, when they were having sex in the car after the funeral. Mm. Um, after his mom's funeral, I was like, oh, this is High Fidelity. Yeah. And you're like, and it's like, yeah. uh, you know, like that was many years in the past. And then we, right. uh, high fidelity was turned into a Hulu series. So oh, maybe what? this could be turned into a Netflix series. That would be cool. Yeah. I do think like this movie or anything really, where it's the idea of like what you were like in 1999 versus like what you're like in 2020. And you can see those side by side and you see how the characters grow and come together or fall apart. Like there's, right. there's something there. There was a, there was a show on Fox or maybe ABC back in the early days, back like when Lost first started and it was called reunion and it was okay. about a high school. It was a murder mystery at a high school reunion. They never solved who the killer was. Each episode was a different person's perspective at the reunion and the show got canceled before they could give the, uh, <laughs> before they could reveal what the story Wait, was. Was that, was that on the post-show recaps thing where they talked about all of the different shows that were like lost? Ah, Is that one they missed? I don't remember. Um, oh, man. I'd have to go back. But yeah, no, I mean, I liked Reunion a lot. I got really into it, and then it got canceled. They, they never, like, when they do that, they just need to, like, the writers of the show need to update the Wikipedia page and say, what, who is the killer? Oh, no. Who is the nev- killer? We will, nev- we will never know. I'm sure, like, maybe there's, like, a whole subreddit for Reunion. Um, <laughs> be curious if any of our I listeners so. saw Reunion. Or maybe this is just a Mandela effect show that you made no, up. No, no, no. Uh, well, could be, yeah. Uh, but I remember I had, a, I had a TiVo in my uh bedroom in college and i tivoed season two of lost uh <laughs> survivor cook islands and nice. uh and reunion because they're all on that i think it was survivor cook islands i actually it might have been a different 
believe it was cooking. It might have been Guatemala, but um, I'd have to look back. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, yeah, I had those. I had those shows on my DVR, and I remember like staying up till like four o'clock in the morning just catching up on all those shows. So. <laughs> Bang yes. ring. That was a cool apartment. I like that place. Nice. Um, all right. Well, uh, with that, uh, so that's three point five for always be my maybe, and yeah. I think like that's you know. Maybe it's good. Maybe it's not. Who knows? Yeah. It's it's above average for, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's take a look at our listener connections and for next week and see what we're going to watch next um, and see if it's better than always my maybe or if it's worse because we're right down the middle. It could be either. All right. Uh, Kicking it off. Jeff sent in the hundred foot journey romantic comedy featuring cooking and couples that get back together. And uh, never heard of it. Never heard of it either. Next one is Chef, another cooking romantic comedy. This is one I thought about as well. Yeah. Uh, I think we've both seen this. Uh, it's a uh, cooking romantic comedy uh, starring John Favreau. Um, I think Chef is a great movie. I don't think Chef gets the love. I did really like that, Chef. Yeah. Yeah. It's on my I top like ten Chef for that year. Yeah. I think it's just a. It's just like one of the one of the better cooking cooking movies. And yeah. uh, the next one is one that's come up the last couple weeks. Julie and Julia, connection of cooking and chefs. All right, Olin from 2019, Toy Story 4. Uh, Kano Reeves has a compelling cameo. Also is reunited. Old Friends. Oh, that's that's good. Old Friends reuniting with a romantic element. Um, yep. One thing I want to touch on here. If what we pick next week ends up being Keanu Reeves is the connection, because that could yes. be what happens, I do think it is uh, irresponsible of us to say in the episode description the connection is Keanu Reeves because we're spoiling the cameo in this movie. So I think we need to think about how we phrase our connection. Yeah. Fair enough. enough. I was thinking about that when I was picking my connections. Fair enough. Um, All right. The next one that Olin has is The Lady Eve from 1941. A romance grows in America between two people in different class styles. Preston Sturge's classic and a personal blind spot. I think it's a blind spot for all of us. Yeah. I'm not familiar and the last one that Olin has is The Van from 1996. A couple of friends looking to develop their careers in cuisine industry based on a strong working class setting in Dublin. In Dublin. Love Dublin. Yeah. So does Olin. Uh, and then uh, Stefan wrote in and said, uh, office, r- office Christmas Party. That is a romantic comedy featuring Randall Park. Didn't you and I see that together? We did. I think we saw it. With a screener? Yeah. Yeah, I think we saw that in the screener. Um, Tis the season. Uh, Serendipity, a romantic comedy about old flames reconnecting. And The Princess Bride, a romantic comedy about old flames reconnecting. Um, I, I wouldn't think about the, the Princess Bride being about old flames reconnecting, but it's been a while. I guess it is, yeah. yeah. It sort of is, yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, next one, Crazy Rich Asians. From, oh, these are from Kyle. Uh, the second yeah. week in a row, he will recommend Crazy Rich Asians, the highest grossing rom-com of the 2010s, the sixth highest of all time. A lot of good connections to Always Be My Maybe, but favorite is the connection is the strong yeah. Asian food traditions. Uh, also, Michelle Yee from uh, Tomorrow Never Dies and Star Trek Discovery yeah. is incredible, and it's leaving HBO Max soon, so catch it before it leaves. All right. Next Can one is... Beginners, great movie about a son and father losing the mother and wife and their life, uh, their life relationships afterwards. 
good connection and a great time to watch this movie. The Christopher Plummer's award-winning role in it since he passed Ooh. away this month. That was a good interesting. Yeah. Um, and then the third one is Keanu. I do not know how we would how we would hide that uh, connection if we did that, but right. Keanu Reeves <laughs> played himself in Always My Maybe. Anna Ferris plays herself in Keanu. Um, well, lots of spoilers. Yes. We could call it celebrity cameos. Yes, uh, but the title is Keanu, and we're connecting off of Always My Maybe. But uh, yeah, <laughs> that is that is like a very like it's a very clever. It's clever. Yeah. it's clever. I was trying to yeah. think of other movies where celebrities play themselves, like an exaggerated too, version. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I, in, I, like actually in uh, Ocean's Twelve, when it's Julia Roberts playing herself, but also playing Tess Ocean. Yes, that's a, yeah, that's yeah, another good one. Yeah, that's a good one. Too. Crazy. That's probably the highlight of that movie. Is that scene? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then be... there's Bruce Willis playing himself. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I didn't. I just watched Ocean's Twelve recently. I was not a fan. It was good. I, I don't like, like Ocean's Twelve. I don't. I don't like it. I like. I like eleven. I like thirteen. 12 and 8 were kind of hit and miss. Um, all right, honorable mention from Kyle, the posterist, not the poltergeist, which is what I thought this said. Uh, this <laughs> documentary about the legendary poster artist uh, who depicted the look and feel of golden era Hong Kong cinema. Marcus has a poster of this film in his room. Sounds awfully interesting and wish I could see it, but it doesn't look like it's available anywhere to you as viewers. All right, we'll put the posterist on your watch now. list. If you use Letterbox, if you put a movie on your watch list now, it'll give you a notification when it goes to streaming. On, I think you got to be a pro member to get that notification. But yeah. So. Uh, all right, Jim says for his connection, I'm suggesting another movie set in San Francisco. There'll be partners with different expectations of their relationship. That is 48 Hours playing on Stars. Nice. I really like that connection, and I've never seen 48 Hours. So. Yep. And then Av, who we mentioned earlier, he sent in Hero. From 1992, the connection is Mariah Carey song titles. Um, yep. I feel like that only this works if, like, if it was to always be my baby. It's gonna always be my baby. Or if Hero yeah. was called Zero, right? So if it's like just right. a little bit off of exactly, the title. if it was a little bit off, yeah. yeah. I, I wonder if there's I wonder if there's a Mandela effect where people think the song is always be my maybe, and it because of this movie. Uh, it could be, could be. Yeah. All right, do you want to go first or second? Let me let me go first. Um, so I did have a couple of the things listeners suggested on my list that I'm not going to re-suggest. Um, I did have Keanu on my list because, of course, oh, I did. Yeah. Um, so I have, but I do have a couple of movies, one of which is a celebrity playing a hyper version of themselves, and that's being John Malkovich. Ah. I also have... A romantic comedy set in San Francisco, which I have recommended before. So I married Max Murderer. Um, I also wanted to bring up one that you have mentioned before that I think is still a blind spot for you because I don't think you ever saw it. And that is Long Shot because it's about a middle class dude who meets up with a girl that he used to know 20 years beforehand who is much more rich and famous than he is. Mm -hmm. And uh, that awkward relationship as they reconnect. There's also then, some cast connections in that as well that I noticed between yeah. these two movies. Um, I also wanted to bring up uh, a couple of movies set in San Francisco as well. I thought about Bullet, but I think I'm going to go with Dirty Harry starring uh, Clint Eastwood because I know you're on a bit of a Clint Eastwood kick lately. That movie is set in San Francisco, so I thought we could do San Francisco set movies 
and go with Dirty Harry. Also, there's a character named Harry in both movies. Good point. There is a Harry. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, other honorable mentions, I had Wife of Pi because James Saito, Mr. Kim, is in that movie. Um, I also thought about John Wick 2. Uh, I also thought about Keanu, which somebody else said. I also thought about resubmitting Ratatouille due to the mm-hmm. chef connection, but I didn't do it. Yeah. So those are going to be my four. Being John Malkovich, So I Married Max Murder, Longshot, and Dirty Harry. So I did have Longshot on my list as well. I figured um, you would. Yeah. Um, I feel like my brother either just watched Longshot or maybe his podcast uh, that is kind of similar to ours uh, also just covered it. Um, I can't remember, but Fair yeah. Um, but we'll see. We can still do it. All right. So uh, the first one I wrote down from very early in the movie, they dressed up in Halloween costumes of the Wayne's World characters. So I yeah. Wayne's World, party time. Excellent. Uh, they also just appeared in that Super Bowl ad. Yeah. Um, the next dark. one is uh, a title connection. It's a movie that I had had on my watch list for a while. It's supposed to be very good. I think it's pretty serious, though. Uh, but the connection of the word always is never, rarely, sometimes, always from last year. Um, I know I've watched it and talked about it in his re- recent watch back when he was a co-host. Um, so that could be one. Um, another movie that is a female-led movie from 2019 that I have a blind mm-hmm. spot for. I believe it has a um, at least one prominent Asian performance in it as well. That's Hustlers. Um, okay. I I know I didn't see it. I can't remember if you saw it or not. I did not see Hustlers. Okay, so that's blind spot for both of us. Um, and yeah, that one's supposed to be really good. I I also thought about from 2019. I oh, wait, about is that the one where they're at where they're sex club workers? Uh, I think they're strippers. Or strip club workers, I'm sorry. Yes, I did see Hustlers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Constance, I, I, Constance Wu is in it. So that's, Yeah, I watched that with our uh, older roommate Jacob. Yeah, yeah. I watched that. Yeah. So um, I saw that. Yeah, I never I never I never got around to Hustlers, so I thought about adding It was that. good, I liked it. It was cute. Yeah. Yeah. Um then uh I will go with um so I guess I'm gonna have five because I can't cut one of these. Um so for uh over overdone or like exaggerated celebrity cameos. Uh, this actually came up as we were talking about, I added, this is the end to my list where like the whole cast is celebrities playing exaggerated versions yeah. of themselves. Uh, but specifically like the Michael Sarah role, sure. which is probably the most memorable, but yeah. that movie is very fun. So I like that. And then the last one, I cannot believe I'm the only one to suggest this. Uh, it would get us off of our rom-com kick and it would be a nineties classic that we could talk about. Um, this is the movie that the residuals of one showing of this movie nearly paid for their dinner at the molecular gastronomy restaurant. And that is speed. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Um, yeah, I thought nice. speed would be fun. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, we can go through all of these and then we can talk through it, but, um, yeah. why do you read what we have for connection? Yeah. So let me scroll up to the top. So we have the hundred foot journey chef, Julia and Julia. Sorry, Julia, Julia, Toy Story 4, The Lady Eve, The Van, Office Christmas Party, Serendipity, The Princess Bride, Crazy Rich Asians, Beginners, Keanu, 48 Hours, Hero, Being John Malkovich, So I Married Max Murderer, Long Shot, Dirty Harry, Wayne's World, Never Rarely, Sometimes Always, Maybe, Hustlers, this is the end and speed. 
Yes. I did think about um, John Wick 3. I think I said that, but like I would have had yeah. to. I've seen John Wick 1 and 2, but I don't remember them very well. So I think and I, I would have had to seen watch two, all of So I thought about John Wick 2, but I didn't yeah. put it on there. I think I would have had to go back and watch all three this week. and Yeah, and that would have been a. Yeah, I wouldn't have wanted to do that. Um, all right. Um, well, so since it's just the two of us, we get to pick one of the host and one of the listener connections, and we'll have a final four to go through. Yeah. I will start. Uh, I think beginners sounds interesting. So I'll, I'll take beginners. Does sound interesting. I'm very intrigued. Um, I think I will actually take the other one I was intrigued by from our listeners that I've never heard of, but it sounds interesting, is the van. The van. The van down by the river from 1996. I do like that it takes place in 1996, which is when this movie basically started. It also involves people in the culinary industry, which... yes. I've been trying to get to movies about, and we don't do because they're never really that good. But this um, sounds good. I mean, I don't know. I, uh, who, man, actually, here's a connection. There was a culinary industry in the man who shot Liberty Valance. Um, True. That restaurant True. they looked in. So. Yeah. Um, all right. All right. So now I will pick one of yours. Um, I could go really with any of the four of yours, to be honest. Yeah. Um, What's Dirty Harry about? Is about a cop played by yeah. Dirty Harry like, is a dirty cop. Dirty in, cop in San Francisco. San Francisco. Um, yeah. Hmm. So it's a city connection, not really much of a thematic connection, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, I I I think I would pick Longshot because that was on my also rands, but we just I mean. Is that going to be that different from the last it's couple of It's not going to be. That's the problem. It's very much the same movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm kind of stuck between... Man. Samaritan Axe Murderer, again. That sounds has fun. Beat, has beat poetry, too. Yeah, it has, and it has like a performer. I remember that. Um, it's fun. It's Mike Myers. Is yeah. that going to be very... I mean, is that like your typical rom-com also, though? It's not quite typical because of the Mike, multiple Mike Myers performances, but it's mm-hmm. pretty pretty typical. Yeah. And being John Malkovich, um, I'm leaning towards being John Malkovich, and I can't tell you why. Um, it's just yeah, a I've weird never, movie, I think. Have you seen it? I've not. You haven't? Oh, okay. I've never seen being John Malkovich. Oh, okay. That's fun. Yeah. All right. Being John Malkovich. Huh? All right, and then uh, you have to pick from my four, which were Wayne's World, speaking of Mike Myers, uh, Never Rary, Sometimes Always, Hustlers, This is the End, or Speed. And I've seen Hustlers, I've seen This is the End, I've seen Speed, seen Wayne's World. The only one I've seen is Never Rarely, Sometimes Always. Um, And I don't know that I'm in the mood to rewatch any of the rest of the ones that you suggested. Oh, man. Um. I think by default I have to suggest never really, sometimes always. But... Let me just double check that it's streaming somewhere accessible. Uh, oh, it's on HBO Max. Okay. I'm going to uh, put it on there, but I don't think we're actually going to go with it. So. Um, but it's I'm going to I'm going to nominate never really, sometimes always because I mean I've seen Wayne's World a million times. Hustlers I isn't worth revisiting. This is the end. You hate Danny McBride, and I don't. Really I do, but I that. love that movie. I do. But love I don't really want to have that argument with you. Um, <laughs> well, we just did. Um, that's fine. I think um, we just did. Yeah. Speed uh, is great. Speed yeah, speed is really would, great. I mean, speed would be like your. Sta- okay. Oh, actually, this is what I was going to tell you. So last year, yes. um, 
last year on the podcast when we did i'm just pulling it up so this is episode seven of the movie ladder podcast season two episode eight so not quite episode seven episode eight of the movie ladder podcast season one was hot fuzz right okay and our connection off of hot fuzz was that they watched point break which is a 90s (laughs) uh keanu reeves movie in that movie and so it almost nearly lines up identical to speed being referenced in uh and you always my baby so i feel like that almost almost is like so perfectly aligned that we kind of have to do speed so that is the one i will make my one pitch (laughs) for picking speed or Uh, we or we have to go with keanu uh, that's not the, but that's not the same. They didn't watch Keanu in Never Rarely, Sometimes Always. But there is a Keanu. That's a Keanu. Do you know the Keanu? Have you seen Keanu? It's the no, cat. I haven't seen Keanu. The cat I know it's Keanu. a cat. Yeah. I know it's a cat, but it's named after Keanu Reeves. So how do you know they don't watch Keanu Reeves movies in that movie? Have you uh, seen I mean, it? they do. No, they do. I'm pretty sure they name the cat Keanu because they're watching Point Break. I think it's similar to Hot Fuzz oh, okay. where they're watching Point okay. Break. But, I mean, this is, like, almost exactly what our connection between movie 8 and 9 were last year. It's just movie 7 and 8. So, and, like, Point Break and Speed are, like, the, you know, kind of spiritual successors to each other. So if we do Speed next week, I have a really good idea. Um, I mean, Speed could be... be, So I think Speed would be fun. It would be a big change of pace. I think it's been a while since a lot of people have seen Speed. Um, (laughs) I, I needed to advocate a little bit more for Speed because I think that... As I'm looking at what we have here, we have Beginners, which seems like it's, um, I don't know, but it seems like it would be serious because it's about father and son uh, losing a wife and a mother. Uh, The Van, which could be fun. Um, I don't know how many people have seen The Van. Um, You know, a couple of friends looking to develop careers in the restaurant industry. Yeah, yeah, it could be fun. Um, Being John Malkovich is good. It's very weird. Uh, It would be fun to get your reaction to it. And uh, Never Worry Sometimes Always, I think would, I'm not sure that the, uh, you know, the description of that movie sounds like kind of, I mean, it just sounds like kind of a little bit of a downer, Um, but it might not because it's like a road trip movie or speed, which is a total road trip movie and is totally insane. And (laughs) it's a movie everybody's seen multiple times. Um, And maybe we get some people who've never seen it before. And if you are one of those, if we pick speed and you're one of those who's never seen it before, uh, let us know early in the week because we might want to talk to you. Um, Yeah. (laughs) All right. That's my, that's my rant. So pitch. you can pick between never, really, sometimes, always, or speed. I just wanted to pitch speed because I think it's all right. Uh, so I will. I, will I knew there was a reason why I picked it, and I, I, I I'll replace it with speed. Hey, all right. But I think we need to have a serious conversation about being John Malkovich versus speed, because we could go with just the counterreach thing, or we could go with the more. You're gonna ruin. You're gonna. You're gonna do the thing you said you didn't want to do, which is ruin. Keanu Reeves being in this movie nope. by connecting it to Speed. Nope, I thought about that. So, so what we do is we just name the connection next week Speed referenced in uh, Always My Maybe. Just like what we called Point Break watched in Hot Fuzz. <laughs> I can pull it up. Let me tell you exactly what <laughs> we uh, what we made uh what we made the title. So last week we named. <laughs> what did you make the last, title? Last year, Point Break was cop movie referenced in Hot Fuzz. This one would be uh, romance referenced in Always Be My Maybe. Is it a romance? Fine. Action romance. Sure. Yeah. All right. Uh, you know what? Know. What, do you, what do you think, Wildcat? <laughs> what do you do, man? You have a guy 
who gives you 10 seconds, he has a gun to your head, or he's going to blow off the partner's face. What do you do? Yeah. You um, shoot the hostage, Jack. Being John Malkovich, Actually, though, is, is very... It's, it's a very um, Charlie Kaufman movie. So. I think we would have a lot of fun with Speed. I think we have to go with Speed. Yeah, right? why not? I mean, we haven't had, like, a... done a, a good job at the getting for Speed. Yeah, and I just, I just broke out my Dennis right. Hopper. I think it would be a lot of fun. Um, and I have a really good idea for who uh, who I think we need to talk to that movie about. So uh, we, we need to talk about Speed. Yeah, um, we need to talk about Speed. Yeah. What no. do you do, man? What do it's you just do? It's, like, such a funny concept. It's a fun for, movie. Uh, it's a really like, fun movie. Yeah, and, like... The bus, the bus watch. can't go under 55. Um, I don't even know if Speed is streaming anymore. I would imagine Speed. So yeah, Alan Ruck. Oh yeah, great. we do. Yeah, there's there's some great that guys on the. Um, uh oh, looks like we might have to pay for this. It is on IMDb TV or USA. So if you wanted to watch it with ads, um, you can watch it on That's one of those, fun. or you can pay to rent it, or maybe you the have USA the USA app is account. free though. They just give you credits and you. Oh, is it? Yeah. Is it is it commercial? Yeah, free that's though? how I watch some of uh, Mr. Robot. Yeah. But are there commercials though? Yeah, there are commercials, but it's not that. If big. it's on the USA app, it might be on Peacock as well. Oh, it could be. Uh, yeah. It doesn't list. It doesn't they just list. don't interested. So, um, well, let me tell you. I'll tell you what being John Malkovich is. Just if that influences. Let's see. Being John Malkovich. After all this time that I said I was going <laughs> to talk speed. Um, being John Malkovich is not streaming anywhere. That's not surprising. All right, let's do let's do Speed. It'll be fun. Yeah, yeah, it'll all right. Be good. That'll be fun. yeah. It'll be. I mean, and I, I, I appreciate the parallel that. to last year's lottery that you're. I think that to that's make. that's cool. I can't yeah. I can't get mad at that. We that's already have the thing. movie map for next week, basically. Basically, um, yeah. All right then. <laughs> looks like <laughs> we have ratings from like all of our uh, all of our listeners already. For no, not all of them. A couple of them. <laughs> um. All right. Well, we're going to talk about speed next week. What do you do? What do you do? Um, and yeah, uh, the connection there is that speed was referenced in Always My Maybe. So don't spoil that it was Keanu Reeves in Always My Maybe. It's going to ruin that surprise for people. Um, all right. What are you going to watch this week? So I am what's, quickly, what's one thing you're going to watch this week, just to keep it breezy? Yeah, so I'm quickly catching up on Battlestar Galactica Season 2. Uh, this is the second, not the original 1970 series, but the newer one that started in 2004. I'm hoping to be done with Season 2 by this weekend. Um, so that's my main focus right now, is finishing up. I've got like five more episodes in Season 2 of Battlestar Galactica. I've really been enjoying this season, though. It's it's really great. Um, the last few episodes I've watched have been like just chef kiss emoji, fantastic peak TV. So. You love you love your chefs on screen, don't you? Yeah, exactly. Um, nice. Uh, all right. Uh, well, like I said, I'm going to be watching Tombstone next on my personal movie ladder. I've also started back up Veep. So. Nice. Um, it's, you know, just I'll probably watch an episode of Veep tonight before I go to bed. So that's... Yeah, I'll probably throw on another episode of Battlestar before I go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> Even though it's already 11.15. Right. Yeah, just that's all right. Um, so that's what we got for this week. That is always my maybe. Next week we are connecting to Speed, the 90s action classic. So that'll be very fun to talk about. And uh, I can't remember any songs from Speed. I don't know what we're going to do with outro music. We'll find it. Yeah, we'll find something. All right. Well, uh, 
hopefully uh, oh we can do uh, i can't drive 55 even though it's not in the movie um feel the need for speed yes so all right well we'll see you next week talk about speed see you the next one jack <laughs>